everybody and welcome back to the F2 show. I'm your host Fraser Ford and joining me to reflect on all of the talking points from a brilliant weekend of action in Jeddah, we have Inside F2 editor Lawrence Griffin and motorsport journalist Aaron Harper and Michael McClure. Coming up on the show then, Frederick Vesti and Ayumu Owasa were our winners this weekend. We reflect on their performances. Lots of talking points from both races. We discuss some of the key moments from this weekend and we take a look at the championship standings at the end of round two. Um, guys, I want to get into it. Uh, entertainment from start to finish uh, this weekend, Lawrence. And uh, yeah, the thing that stood out for me was the over the weekend, there's so much close action, wasn't there? Battles everywhere you look on the track. Six car battles at one point, wasn't there? Minimal field spread. It was a really good weekend of action, wasn't it, in terms of Formula 2? Yeah, it was it was brilliant. I mean, if you, if you go back and watch, I think it was the I think it was the sprint race, or, or it might have been the feature. There was six cars sort of in the in the lower reaches of the of the of, of the field who were fighting over the same position. It was just it was just brilliant. And what we saw in both races was a genuine battle for the lead between several cars throughout the race, which is which is all we really want is not only close racing but close racing right at the front where it counts um and formula 2 delivered that once again it was it was absolutely brilliant to see you couldn't take your eyes off either race um throughout the whole weekend and given us a lot to dive into as i'm sure we're we're about to find out yeah, definitely. Let, let's start with our feature race winner, Frederick Vesti. Aaron, you said that Prema needed a strong weekend this weekend after a disappointing Bahrain, uh, and they certainly bounced back, didn't they? Vesti wins, the team pick up their 30th win in Formula 2. A good weekend all round, right? They did a great job. It was exactly the, the tonic that they needed from Bahrain. I mean, the, the signs were there in practice. They were 1-2 and two with uh, Behrman fastest and then they had a car on the front row with Ollie Behrman and Vesti comes through to win the race. On another day uh, Behrman keeps it pointing in the right direction and maybe they have a double podium but still a victory is very valuable and to have 30 victories at this level that's impressive that shows you the level that Prema operate at. It was great to see Fred Vesti get a victory and he really was the bestie today wasn't he? <laughs> he really was, wasn't he? Uh, Re on Twitter, I hope I pronounced your not a name right, Re, uh, was asking for the race to end as soon as Frederick Vesti got into, into the lead. Uh, Sarah on Twitter says his victory was so deserved. Is Frederick Vesti a serious title contender, Michael? Before the season started, I know I went on record saying, I think the top three will be Duhan, Porsche and Vesti. And obviously that's just a top three. But I thought, you know, those are really the three that can genuinely pretty unquestionably fight for this. And Frederick Vesti showed this today. Was he the fastest across the weekend? No. Was he the most opportunistic? I think you would say pretty resoundingly yes. And this is the thing that comes with being a driver who is a second year, who's experienced, who's in a team like Prema that knows how to capitalize on opportunities like this. When they came into F2, as Aaron alluded to in 2016, their two drivers, Gasly and Giovinazzi, were up at the front and they got up there because they capitalized on opportunities. It's the same story here. They know how to set up a car and something that's been talked about a lot, that Prema has very good preparation for their drivers. Um, another thing with Vesti that's really noteworthy, I think, is last year he struggled terribly at this circuit. Um, he was obviously an ART, but this was among his worst weekends last year. He just didn't even run anywhere near the points. Um, same with Bahrain, and now he's gotten the season off to a properly good start. Definitely someone to keep an eye on, and I think also a great driver for Ollie Behrman to learn from as he adjusts to Formula 2 this year. 
Absolutely, yeah, really good weekend for, for Prima all round. Lawrence, uh, Frederick Vesti, uh, title contender for you. Uh, and yeah, just how, just how impressive was uh, that feature race victory uh, on, on Sunday? I mean, he, he, he yeah, started P6, didn't he? It was uh, a lot of hard work that was to win that race, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. A lot of hard work. And it's been, it was a wonderful weekend for Prima as well because they left um, Bahrain without any points at all. And then all of a sudden you have Behrman qualifying in, in P2 and Vesti coming back from, from P6 and the feature race to win it. So all of a sudden it looks like a very different um, picture for a team that had such a disappointing 2022 um, that came into it as resounding champions in 2021 and just failed to deliver. Um, but yeah, absolutely brilliant um, performance from Vesti. And we see so often when you keep a level head and you avoid incidents, you can you can come out of it. And he had the combination of a quick start, moving up to P4 from P6 in the opening couple of laps, and then just keeping the pressure on the drivers ahead. And for both Martins and for um, for Behrman, that pressure told. And you know he got his just rewards for it. So yeah a great all-round weekend from him and he'll look to to build on that now and, and Premable too yeah Frederick Vesti taking his first feature race win in Formula 2 and also becoming the first Danish driver to win a Formula 2 feature race as well uh, Aaron as you've mentioned four different drivers winning from four different teams so far this season showing the competitiveness of the series. One of those winners, Lawrence, was Ayumu Awasa, who was our sprint race winner on Saturday. He was your pick for the championship pre-season, wasn't he? How do you sum up his weekend? I think I think a really, really solid overall weekend for him. Um, he didn't have the outright pace, I don't think, at any point in the in the weekend. He didn't look like the fastest man out there. Um, but that was a brilliant sprint race performance, getting a, a brilliant start going right around the outside of Ralph Boschung and then had the pace over over Crawford ahead and, and moved into the lead. And at the end of the race, it was a brilliant defence against Martins, who clearly had far more pace than him. But he showed really good defensive driving, just like we saw back in, in Abu Dhabi when he held off Felipe Drogovic for his, for his win there, which was his uh, second feature race win, I think, at the time. Um so he clearly has that in his locker and he's you know able to hold off the DRS which very few people manage to do and couple that with quite a solid drive in the feature race getting up to up to P4 there um like a lot of people helped by the fact that the two leading drivers spun out of the race um so he will still want to build on that and improve but he's scoring consistent points and he's right up there in the in the championship fight i think it's only a handful of points off the mark and as i think we've alluded to a couple of times already it is so tight up there and with four different winners so far you know you you, you never know and just having those solid weekends and staying in there is is what you need to do and he's, he's done that so far so it's that's very much still all to play for yeah, the only driver to score points in every single race this season, Ayumu Awasa. Uh, and obviously his first sprint race victory in Formula 2 uh, as well after two feature race wins last season. Uh, James on our Discord, our Inside F2 Discord, get involved if you're not already, uh, says that Awasa and Daruvala have had great weekends for their championships. Can they continue to be consistent this year, Aaron? Well, it's... 
that's the big question about any Formula Two campaign. You've got to be able to put it together. So we're looking at Darivala, like because he's in his fourth season and he's clearly got the ability to race well at this level. It's tricky to come through in a sprint race and a feature race to end up on the podium. So he's done a very, very good job there, but he's got to build on it and put it together moving forwards. As for as for Doohan, he's finally got his season off and running. He really should have got off the mark in Bahrain, but he had an absolute stinker. Um, but I think Alex Jakes alluded to it in commentary that you're allowed about two of those a season. So Doohan's had one, Porsche's now had one like that. They'll all have a, a a weekend where they don't score points. It's about minimising the damage that those weekends do. So for doing uh, in Bahrain, Porsche scored big and it hurt. Whereas this weekend, Doohan didn't do as much as he probably could have, and nor did anybody else, perhaps because they, they didn't score as heavily. So Porsche slightly got away with it. So consistency is key. You've got to be able to put those results together whether it's over the course of a single weekend or over a period of time. And that's what's going to bring your championship together. Michael, does Jahan need to add some some raw pace, some race winning pace to work to his consistency if he is to, uh, to fight for the title this year? Yes, I think is the easy answer. Um, compared to, let's say, what we saw with poor Sharon Martins in qualifying the past two rounds, that is title winning pace even though it's in qualifying qualifying doesn't get you points but it gets you track position and it shows that you have that one lap ability even somebody like frederick vesey today showed that he has this ability to win races consistently he got out front he never relinquished the lead and he really didn't look like he was going to be challenged Daravala, i don't know that he actually has shown that yet i mean he's got a handful of wins he got a feature race win last year in monza that was such a chaotic race that it's really difficult to judge that as sort of a barometer for can he do this more consistently. When he's done it in the past in sprint races, that's obviously one thing. It's also when he was a more raw driver. He's at the reigning team's champions. He really should. He has the tools at his disposal, and he's shown that he's able to at least get podiums and, you know, I think pretty consistently run up towards the front. But I'm not sure that he has that edge that some of these other drivers do to put them there. Somebody like Duhan or Porsche or even Awasa who can just smash it in qualifying, that's when you see this title winning potential. I don't see this yet. And if you know, if you look at the lap times from this weekend, uh, a few things stand out. He was in this battle with Martins and Iwasa on on Saturday. His laps weren't that much better, even though, you know, he was catching up to them. The race on Sunday, Vasti was pretty consistently ahead of him. And Perhaps most tellingly, I know that Dennis Hauger was sort of, you know, running a bit differently to the Daravala, but compare their lap times at the end of the race. Hauger was consistently in the low 145s or even the 44s. Daravala was hanging on to the 45s, but he had a few that were sort of sort of at the lower end of the 45s, the higher end of the 45s rather. So even that teammate comparison isn't the most flattering to Jahan, which is, you know, unfortunate for a fourth year driver, but I think he's someone who's admitted he's not really thinking about F1 at this point. He's got his sights on Formula E. He's got that role over there with Mahindra. So at this point, he's really just trying to cement what he can do at a professional racing level, not necessarily at a title winning, let's get to Formula One level, if this makes sense. Do you think he'll see out the season, Michael? Do you think that there's a potential chance that he could, uh, if a 
yeah, I, I, something comes up in Formula E uh, with Mahindra. I know he's got the affiliation there, or that he could go elsewhere before the end of the Formula Two season. Well, I think it's tough to to guess. I think if he were to leave, it would be indeed because something opened up at Formula E. You know, drivers get injured. Something like this happened. It's it's not unprecedented. Calvin Vanderlyn's been subbing in for. Um, for I think it's Frains who's injured um, in Formula E. So we do have this potential, obviously. I'd say, though, I mean, Durable is presumably, you know, either paid in full for the season or is, is planning to do so. I think he wouldn't have come back to MP. He wouldn't have devoted that time, that energy to do this if he didn't at least have some purpose in doing it. So I expect him to finish out the season. You know, whether he comes back for a fifth season, I'd say is very unlikely at this point. But at least he'll be trying to go on a high this year and Hopefully he can show that he is able to take that next step and get into that upper echelon that, you know, all the front runners that we've seen this year have belonged to. Absolutely consistent, nevertheless, and uh, first driver this season to get a double podium in a round. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the key talking points from the weekend. Victor Martin spinning from the lead in the feature race. He'll be devastated, I'm sure. Uh, but how much positivity will he take away from the weekend, given his pace in the opening couple of rounds of the season, Lawrence? He'll take away some positivity from that. But I think as someone who came into the weekend and delivered such an amazing qualifying session, the way it's ended with him spinning out of the feature race... Um, I think he'll be bitterly disappointed with that, with having made that mistake. And, you know, Oli Behrman proved that it, that it is easy to do it on this on this track, both of them, sort of the rear axle letting go and, and spinning around. And in his case, unfortunately, he ended up losing the engine um, and then had to had to retire from the race. Um, you know, he, he did have a brilliant sprint race um, coming from... 10th on the grid up to second was just a, a phenomenal performance and he was so much faster than everybody else um so he can take a lot of heart from that but that sort of points tally compared to what he lost in the feature race it, you know all of the emphasis is on the sunday and if you make a mistake then it'll make it'll make your success on a saturday a sort of a distant memory um and we don't know when ART are going to be that fast again. They've been very quick in the first couple of races, but you never know when another team is going to get it absolutely spot on and you're not going to have the car to win next time round. So when you do get those opportunities, it's vital that you, you don't just throw them away like that. Um, so I think he'll really be, he'll really be kicking himself for, for that this weekend. Jake on Twitter says Victor Martins is the most underrated Formula 3 champion ever coming to Formula 2. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? That's a big statement, that is. It is a big statement. We have to look at this from several different points of view. If we're going to exclusively compare, let's say, modern FIA F3 or you know the current iteration from 2019 onwards, I'd say we could say this. And I think underrated maybe not as a driver but what's happened is this 2022 f3 crop we had this absolutely incredible title fight last year seven drivers in it in the final round martins wins by five points that whole rookie class is rated very highly but nobody is really saying that any individual from that stands out head and shoulders above the others i think in 2021 hauger stood out compared to the rest of the field 
in 2019, Schwartzman stood out compared to the rest of the field. And so those names got that sort of extra backing to, you know, fight for the title immediately. We don't see it this year. And we also have so many strong returners that, you know, Porcher, Johanna Wassa, Fittipaldi, all those people that were at the front last year that have come back. So Martins just doesn't stand out. I think as a driver, I think he's rated, you know, approximately as, as well as the other champions are. I think he's just entered into such a strong field. So it's not really a surprise to me that he's been as dominant as others, perhaps to kind of the, the general audience who's maybe just getting acquainted with F2. Rookie who comes in and smashes it by three quarters of a second is a pretty big deal and definitely warrants praise for sure. Do I think it's, you know, unfair? Has he been, you know, slated or sort of put in this lower category than he deserves? I'm not sure. I think we all recognize the quality of this field and as testament to, you know, how close it's been this year. So do, do you think when people say underrated or maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe not quite rating his Formula 3 winning campaign as highly as perhaps others, is that because you look at the rookies that were, or the drivers that were around him in the title fight, you had Oli Behrman, you had Zane Maloney, you had Isaac Hadjar, and they were rookies. Is that something that kind of works against him a little bit in that sense? Definitely. And also, frankly speaking, Martins's age isn't helping. It's, in my opinion, a bit ridiculous that we're at the point that someone who's 21 is seen as too old. I mean, maybe I'm biased, I'm 21 years old. But um, I mean, like, we see that there's a lot of potential there. So the, the rating of it is definitely super relative. I think you're absolutely right on this, Fraser. And when we look at this, we just have to see, do they show the talent? And I think Martins has definitely shown the talent. He's shown it for years. He's shown it when he won Euro Cup. He's shown it when he won F3. And he's shown it with this pole position. So a blip like today's, not great, objectively. But it's his second race. It's his first feature race in F2. I mean, Bahrain lasted, what, a few corners. And it's his first time in a street circuit in four years. So at a you know proper purpose-built circuit like we'll go to later in the year, I expect him to be very strong. And I expect that we'll see, if not a title contender, Martins, at least somebody who is, maybe we'll, he'll, he'll turn heads. I don't think we're going to have this discussion next year um, about you know Martins being great. I think he's definitely shown that he's, He's able to be, you know, seen at the level of many of his peers. Motorsport is 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 a is a cruel place at times, isn't it? You know, the the sort of the way in which we look at drivers like a like a Felipe Drogovic or like a Victor Martins and and judge them based on their age when, like you say, he's he's twenty one years old. And at the same time we have drivers like Fernando Alonso who are still right at the top of their game well into their into their 30s so it, it, the fact that you've got someone at that age competing at that level in f1 makes it a bit ridiculous that we're even even talking about uh, an f2 driver's age but it is it is you know the way it, it gets talked about people like isaac hadjar who was so young i think he's still 18 even now um so young when he was competing to that level in f3 that does give them sort of some sort of extra kudos um, but even being that good, that, that young, there's no guarantee that they're going to continue that trajectory on. I think you have to look at a driver based on their current form and re- disregard their age rather than sort of looking at how well they may get on because they've got a few less years of experience and seeing that as a massive sort of disadvantage that they've overcome. Yeah, lots to lots to take away, lots of positives to take away for Victor Martins, right? And um, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we won't go away from the weekend feeling too downbeat. Um, and uh, yeah, I suppose a, maybe a question for, for we might maybe we'll pop it on Twitter as well. Where do you think Victor Martins is a little bit underrated coming into this season? Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments uh, and on social media as well. Moving on then. 
Ollie Behrman, he showed throughout the weekend that he had the pace to compete for, for poles and for wins this season in Formula 2, didn't he? Uh, but yeah, it just didn't quite happen for him due to multiple, di- well, multiple different reasons, Aaron, wasn't it? Well, one of those reasons was Teo Porcher getting a little bit too ambitious in the sprint race. I mean, he pulled off the move uh, a couple of laps before and then he went for the move on Victor Martins and just got in a bit too hot. And sadly... Ole Behrman was collateral damage. I mean, it was without the halo. I think that's quite a scary impact because the front right wheel of Porsche's ART comes up at quite an angle. I'm wondering if, if it's actually hit the halo and uh, protected Ollie Behrman a little bit there, but, but he didn't have the race pace and then he spun and it all got away from him. It, it felt a little bit like a repeat of the Bahrain feature race where the tyres just fell apart on him. We've seen a snapshot of the driver that he can be. He can do the overtakes. He can lead a race. He can do it all. It's about putting it all together over a course of time and then improving on it and then maybe making the step up with Ferrari and one of their junior teams. But they've got their sports car program, so maybe he'll move into that. And you still need to be able to put it all together in those categories as well. So all's not lost for Oli Behrman. It's a disappointing weekend and... He's a rookie after all. You're going to have disappointing weekends, but his disappointing weekend included a front row star and he led the race. Whereas you're looking at uh, Isaac Hadjar, who's kind of been nowhere, sadly, because he's a very talented driver as well, but he's just not had the success in the, the very short amount of time we've been in 2023 racing so far. But there's still more to come from both of those drivers. Yeah, definitely some positives to take away for... For Ollie Behrman, uh, let's talk about the incident then. Teo Porsche uh, coming together with Ollie Behrman. Uh, Chris Medland on Twitter uh, called the incident as a silly error uh, from Teo Porsche. Kieran on Instagram says that mistake could cost Teo Porsche an F1 seat potentially. Lawrence, your thoughts on the incident and uh, your thoughts on those comments? Well, I mean, I, th- I think for one incident to, to define your, your career in F1, I think is unlikely. You know, everyone makes mistakes uh, and Porcher has had his this weekend. Um, that being said, it was quite a big mistake. It wasn't a small misjudgment. I mean, he clattered into Oli Behrman trying to overtake his, his teammate Victor Martins and shot right past him and into into the next guy up the road. And we've seen that a couple of times where you lunge someone so deep on the inside and you nearly sort of catch your front wing on somebody's rear tire on, on the apex of the corner. But he he got it quite badly wrong. Um, so it, it's it's a pretty a pretty disappointing mistake from from somebody who's got experience in the in the series and who is looking like or should be looking like one of the favourites and somebody who's setting themselves up for a Formula One drive. Um, you know, you could see it coming from that previous move. And even as far back as Abu Dhabi, he had several really late, deep lunges on the brakes. And I, and I love that he was being so aggressive and so assertive as well, and just putting his car in a position where he made it difficult for other people, as opposed to sort of thinking, as someone with a championship aspirations, I'm going to take it really cautiously, because drivers will pick up on that and they'll take advantage of it. Um, but in in this case, it was just time to dial it down a little bit 
the most of the drivers are quite happy to take a bit more risk in the sprint race because there's fewer points to miss out on if you if you make a mistake. But of course, that went so badly wrong that he ended up getting a 10 place grid drop for the feature race. And so that one moment completely undid his weekend. And the looking back at the feature race as it played out now, you put those two errors in, you put poor chair back to P3, I think it was that he qualified. Then all of a sudden he's in prime position to take advantage of that and walk away from the second round of the season, having won both feature races and what a position that would put you in just one moment, you know, the whole sort of narrative of the weekend sort of changed. So, you know, if he, if he picks it back up and continues to be that dominant and consistent as he was in Bahrain for the next few rounds, we won't be talking about this. It won't affect his future whatsoever. Um, but like I said earlier, you can't guarantee that you're going to have that same brilliant car that ART had the first couple of rounds for the rest of the season. Um, but all, all those things being said, it was great to see him apologizing to Oli Behrman afterwards and on social media, the first to put his hands up and sort of admit that he made a mistake. That's not an easy thing to do, especially in the in the heat of the moment. And I'm not sure it will have made much difference to to Oli Behrman there and then, but I'm sure he will appreciate it looking looking back on it. So it was nice to see that a sign of a sign of his character that even in that moment he was able to think about being a good sportsman as 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 well as a competitor. Yeah, Alex Brundle in commentary said it's not been a good weekend by Porsche's standards. Had 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 did he have his confidence knocked a little bit in the feature race off the back of that incident in the sprint race, Michael? And this is this is the thing, right? Is that rounds like this were what cost him last year, no? And you would have thought that you know, hopefully he would have learnt from mistakes like that going into this year, no? The difference between Porsche up to lap seven of the Jetta sprint race and what we saw today was pretty night and day. I know he's further back in the field. I know it's harder to set quick times. I know you're in that midfield area, even the upper midfield, you have to look both ahead and behind you. Whereas, you know, if you're up front, it's less of a conversation. But we saw this last year. He was quite hot and cold at times. Um, so he'd have times where he was on it all weekend. And then other weekends where something goes wrong and he's just sort of completely vanished from the field. He is definitely a pretty streaky driver. He's talked about this. He's talked about his own kind of struggles with confidence and the way that his 2022 season unravels because of this incredible pressure he placed upon himself. And when he found out he couldn't meet it when Drogovic streaked ahead four or five rounds into the year, Porcher admitted pretty readily that he was crumbling mentally. And it's a hard thing to do. It's so difficult for a driver to to have to face it. You're not going to win this title. Everyone expects you to. He said this year he doesn't put that pressure on himself. It's not about this. He's obviously kind of looking at the bigger picture at Formula One, but he's still got all these voices in his head saying, you must win, you must win, you must win. And then you have something like this, which may have come about because of this need to win. But the effect it'll have, we're going to see it in the next couple of rounds. Does he go into Australia looking like the driver he was in Bahrain? Or does he go into it with his hung sort of head sort of, you know, hung low a little bit? Is he more conservative? And is he not making those daring moves or those daring, you know, qualifying laps that some of his rivals might? That's going to be the real sign. The talent is still there. The The fact that he took that risk at all shows that he at least has committed. Some drivers might not have cared, frankly. And that, I think, to an F1 team is going to be more worrying is if the driver is just going to sit back and not really do much of anything. It won't be easy, but I think it'll come back in a few rounds. 
think it's very easy to forget just how young Teo Pochette is as well, isn't he? Just 19 years of, of age, uh, a couple of years younger than Victor Martins, even though he's in his first season of, of Formula 2 for context. So, uh, yeah, as you say, he will bounce back, I'm sure. Uh, Lawrence, so Megan on Instagram, she was very happy with Dennis Hauger making up 10 places from P15 to P5. Uh, Norwegian Cardboard on Instagram, funny name, uh, says uh, Dennis Hauger, driver of the weekend. Obviously, uh, yeah, also very happy with, with Dennis Hauger's performance. Do you agree, driver of the weekend? I, I think driver perhaps of Saturday and Sunday in terms of those race performances, going from P15 to, to P5 is, is, a, is a very difficult thing to do. Um, but I think, although I'm impressed by that, I think I, I recognise Dennis Halger as such a talent already that you sort of expect that sort of performance from him. I think to have been as low down in qualifying as he was, I think that that makes it look like a bit more of a, of a disappointing weekend because the reality of it is that a lot of tracks, um, if you go in there and, and qualify outside the top 10, you're not going to come away with much at all. Um, so I think he'll he'll be proud of a good recovery over the weekend. Um, but I, th I think that that qualifying performance means he's not quite the uh, the driver of the round for, for me, much to the disappointment, I'm sure, of, of, of Norwegians everywhere. And who was your driver of the round if uh, if I had to put you on the spot, Lawrence? Oh, if you if you were to do as a thing as cruel as that, um, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna have to go for Fred Vesti. The way that he drove in that in that feature race for me was 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 brilliant, and I think that narrowly ahead of 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 Ayumi Wasa for having a, another really good, consistent, solid weekend. Um, but I think yeah, feature race winner, solid qualifying, didn't have the best pace to begin with at the weekend but managed to pull off the the result nevertheless fred vesti is lawrence's driver of the round who is your driver of the round let us know on instagram at inside formula 2 and on twitter at f2 inside okay let's take a look at the championship standings after the second round of the season then it's Ralph Boschong who leads the way after round two. A pointless weekend for Teo Porsche means that he falls just one point behind Ralph Boschong. This weekend's winners are Yumu Awasa and Frederick Vesti jump up the standings to third and fourth. A much better weekend for Jack Doohan. He sits P6. Kushmani and Victor Martins round out the top 10. And the team standings? Campos still lead the way on 51 points despite only scoring nine points this weekend. ART and Dams are not too far behind the Spanish outfit. A much better weekend for Prima. They move from P11 to P5. PHM and Trident round out the team standings. Okay, that's all we have time for today. My thanks to Lawrence, to Aaron and to Michael for joining me on today's show. If you've enjoyed the show, as always, make sure you give it a like. Let us know what your thoughts are in the comments and on social media. And subscribe for more Formula 2 content. But from me, Fraser Ford, and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.